1: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and
2: an investment advisor with over 20 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. I'm Gordon
3: Leppard with the Richard Young Associates Financial Advisor. I'm glad to be here with you guys today. Glad to have you. Yeah, glad to be back. To have you. All right, guys. Well, we have a great show lineup for the day, um, but you
1: can listen to us out there on directly off the website, yep. just like every week. MoneyMD.net. Um, that's right. You can uh, stream us there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio apps. Another great way to listen to us, or there's an app from italkus.com that you can download. Um, so lots of ways to listen to us. No excuse for not hearing the Money Doctors today. Podcast podcast. Go check out
2: if you miss it. Link that yeah, right pass. right off
1: our website yep. moneymd.net. You can get our podcast for all the previous shows mm-hmm. pretty much going back. So, a great way to listen to us um but we have an exciting show lineup for the day before we get into that though, John. Uh Carolina I, 1. Here y'all have a pretty tough game coming up today though. We
2: do tonight. We're playing at Auburn. Uh, probably will be the only Tigers we lose to this year. Ouch. Just just saying. Wow, um, I think
1: Auburn's <laughs> ring a little
2: tar. Mm, yeah, um, little they're tar. number five in the country, so it's probably going to be a long. It's going to be a thirty-eight, thirty-five. I'm going to say I'm going to go with my Gamecocks, like they we might did against Georgia.
1: Tar and feathering Ooh. those birds today. I don't know. It's going
2: to be a tough one. Georgia's, yeah, Georgia's off. Georgia yeah, Tech plays at Pittsburgh, and uh, Clemson yep. does. Clemson play football? They we, don't play we much play football. play another orange team. <laughs> yeah, Syracuse. Syracuse. Uh, yeah. Orangemen. The Orange The yeah. Orange That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's so, gonna be orange
1: against orange. We're looking forward to that. Busy day. Yeah. Busy day. We're playing them in Death Valley, though. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm hoping it'll go a little easier than it did the last two weeks. Yeah, y'all squeak by. A we did. We've been
2: squeaking. Hey, but you're winning. That's the key. That's, That's
1: true. We're getting a few. Carolina W's. hasn't
2: done that, so I'll have to give you guys props. Well, for now. Anyway.
1: We're only one one win ahead of you, I think. Yeah, so,
3: you know, it's not it's not
2: outlandish. Maybe yet. two after this week. You know, there's
3: <laughs> still and a half maybe. a football season left. So that's, that's, that's right. There's happen. a lot of football still to be played.
1: Plenty of time
2: to screw so, up. That's, there. That's Should coming from, coming from the guy that's, that's leading right. the East over yeah, there. Yeah, right. He's over there. You know, exactly. proud as a You peacock. know, Georgia's
3: the only team to beat an SEC west team mm-hmm. thus far this yeah, season right right Now, of course it was arkansas but you know yeah hey we'll any, see anyway we'll that's
1: right w. well it should be an exciting game day there but we're going to start off though with some money news <laughs> i mean we got a great show lineup today and that's the right way to start off game day listening to the money doctors and uh you know we we have a we have a great show we're going to line up talking about start off here talking about the uh tax potential sales tax increase here that's, in uh, South Carolina, right?
3: That's right. We've got a Cross the river. special sales tax that's going to be on the ballot um, here in November during our elections that will
2: hopefully support some school improvements going on. Yeah, so. it's somewhat controversial. We'll see how it turns out. And there's been a lot of people for it. Um, certainly going certainly to be people against it as well, but uh, that'll be a good good topic. And then we're we'll, uh, going into an article about um, the market. I'm not trying to predict the uh, stock market here, but there's a good article in CNN Money about how this is not another financial crisis, kind of comparing where we are back to 2008 and um, just looking, kind of revisiting history a little, little bit. A lot of people are really scared with what's going on in the last you know month and a half, and we're going to do some comparisons back to 2008 and put it in perspective a little bit, try to bring back some, uh, some calmness to the uh, CSRA and uh, beyond. Yeah, it always helps to have a little perspective
1: <coughs> of history, does.
2: right? So that'll be a great topic.
1: And then we're also going to uh, – I uh, have a topic here on the five secrets to a great, to a great retirement. Mm, there you go again. Giving away the secrets again. Opening Guys. up the book. Yeah, opening up the book here. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing this for 20 years, you know, doing retirement planning for clients. At least I have. And, you know, there's some consistent things you see with people that are in great shape for retirement. And there's some consistent things you see with people that are not in good shape for retirement. So we're going to share some of that with you today. Get out your pencil and pad. If you're in that last 10 years going into retirement here, you need to be paying attention. Yeah. And you need to make sure you have these things in order. It will make all the difference. So that'll be a good topic. But we're going to start off here though with the financial fact of the week.
2: Yeah, Steve. I was kind of doing some research on this and uh, came across an article, a short little blurb about a Bloomberg and. It, uh, the title of it was don 't treat small cap stocks like a fashion statement and what they're implying there is that um, you know some people will come in and out of small cap stocks when they're doing really good and then they'll they'll leave them when they're doing bad they 'll try to time it. They actually underperform uh, the small cap index and and one of the reasons why to you know to own small cap stocks is if you look back at history, this goes all the way back into nineteen twenty six to two thousand and twelve The smallest stocks in the market have beaten the largest stocks in the market. By almost four percent per year, and that's per wow. Symmetry Partners, and we see the same kind of data. But four percent per year over, you know, you know, eighty decade, you know, eighty eighty years, eight decades, and uh, that's that, that, uh, that's an amazing amount. That definitely adds up. Oh, that, it's
1: huge. It's that, huge. It's <clears throat> huge. Four percent is just you know an amazing mm-hmm. difference, as you mentioned. And in fact, I mean, if you use the rule of seventy-two, that will more than double what you have over about eighteen years sure. by getting an extra four percent. So that 's a huge difference, and you have to take advantage of that in your portfolio if you weight some of your portfolio towards small stocks you know that 's like putting the wind at your back i mean it is it is definitely getting the math on your side to give you a better chance yep. of getting a higher return
2: now what that doesn 't mean though is small stocks beating large stocks every year no that 's no. not what that is saying, and we see that this year large stocks Case have outperformed point. small stocks, but is that a reason not to own them uh, we don't we don 't think so we believe now may be a good time to Rebalance in, or maybe buy some some small stocks. Internationals are are, are down as but well. maybe you so. can just
1: time it, John. Maybe you can just kind oh, of yeah. pick the periods when small stocks will do better.
2: Yeah, from the low to the high, perfectly, right? Just
1: kind of move, if, in, yeah, move in and out. I mean, this year, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: We, did, we didn't everybody know small was going to underperform this year. I mean, I, come on. I'm
2: glad you said that because the statistics <laughs> say that the people that do that they underperform the averages by you know anywhere from three to four percent. So, oh ouch. Yeah, <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, and try that strategy. A lot of people that. do it and they're not successful. Yeah, with that's it, exactly
1: so. right. You cannot time it you have to stay diversified. you have to stay invested and just you know take the good with the bad but over time you will get a higher return history shows if you weight your portfolio towards small and have a good representation of that in your portfolio so that's a great financial fact of the week all right and that leads up to our first topic here about the one cent sales tax increase in Aiken County, a lot of people are. It's a controversial subject, Gordon. I mean,
3: well, anytime you know you talk about increasing taxes, mm. you know yeah. Aiken, that's controversial. Yeah. People you remember know, so. ten
1: or fifteen years ago when we had the one percent local option sales tax, which is still on the books, right? So now we're talking about going to eight percent, right?
3: Going from seven to eight percent. You know, uh, it's election time. You know, I know you guys are. Always watching and, and getting yeah. the, the advertisements that come on television here from both sides of the, the river. I mean, you know, mostly we get the Georgia advertisements. Yeah. But anyways, reeling it back in, yeah. Talk talking about the, the sales tax that's gonna be on the ballot here in November. Um you know, people they don't they don't just go running to the yeah. To the polls to, to say vote yes. to vote yes, uh, you it's know not th- a happy there's got subject. there's got to be some meat behind it, and they want to know what's going on. You know why are we even you know um putting this on the ballot what's it for you know what what's the purpose here and so you know this particular article was put together by the augusta chronicle editorial staff okay so this is written from their perspective we're just sharing some of these ideas throughout this article you know and and giving uh, a little bit of our opinion as we go so just to kind of put a disclaimer there and and a note that this is from Mm -hmm. the augusta chronicle um Editorial staff, but you know, right now the the economy is not quite as stable as many of us would like for it to be, and uh, you know, like I said, people they're they're tired of the government kind of mishandling the funds, and so you know they're they're not just as quick to to vote yes on this particular uh, subject. So you know, the new referendum. What's it going to do for us here, John?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, basically, what, what they're trying to do here, uh, Gordon, is is pump some money into the school systems. It's, it's estimated that this will generate about one hundred and twenty five million dollars over ten years for uh, brick and mortar improvements in in uh, the county's outdated facilities. And you, you guys have seen some of the the facilities; they're they're pathetic. They really they need some 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 funds going in there. Now, the the argument is as well is government run efficient. And uh, that's a different debate. Um, it, it ties into this a little bit, but bottom line is schools need some help. Well, you know, there, there's a couple elements to this particular um,
3: tax, and and it being on the books, you know, it's going to have a timeline. So it's not just open ended. Uh, it has some specific purposes tied to it, and uh, you know, even some of the most conservatives mm-hmm. people we have said, hey, you know, this is this is a pretty good thing for for our county here or for Aiken County. Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course. One would ask: Is it is it going to, as they mentioned here, is it going to (laughs) perpetuate perpetuate the money sucking bureaucracy? I like the way they put that. You know, that that is the way a lot of us see government. I mean, come on, you know. Uh, That's a good. uh, But having said that, I mean, the evidence about Aiken County schools, it really is pretty evident i mean when you drive by them i mean they look dilapidated you can look around
3: and see it every day
1: you know i went to aiken high school and i drive by there and it looks the same as it looked like 35 years ago you know and i'm just like geez you know i mean don't they ever you know do a facelift on this and people come into community you know they look at our school to decide whether or not they're going to move here and from the road they look in pretty bad shape
2: yeah and i know one reason why they're looking at doing this is that people that come into this area they look at um, aiken county and they compare it to columbia county and lexington county and the school system and the schools are much better outside of aiken county so to compete and try to grow aiken county this is one of the things they think is a priority so it's definitely one one step in the right direction yeah
1: they do need to get money to do something for the schools and i'm not sure if a sales tax is the only way to do that but having said that um you know, it's a fair way to do it, and, um, you know, it will definitely generate some money, and, and it's badly needed. So maybe that is the right option, right, right way to go. But, yeah, I mean, there's one school out there that's over 90 years old. LaBelle McCampbell. There you go. And you know, it used yeah. to be a high school. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, so we really got to get some
2: upgrades these schools. Yeah, I think we'll uh, cover the rest of this when we um, come back from, from break. We got another piece of the, the puzzle here, right? There exactly. you go. We'll close it out. Yeah, but um,
1: anyway, but if you have questions, you can email us at info infomoneymd.net at or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back with these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marble, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the one-cent uh, sales tax uh, proposal that's on the ballot here coming up in just a couple of weeks in Aiken County. Um,
3: that's right. For and the public schools, right? And we're going to pick up where um, you know, we're, we're talking about not only are the schools out of date, but they're also undersized you know nearly 6% of the classes are held in you know outdoor trailers basically you know and that that's in compared to the state or the state average of less than 1%. Mm-hmm. so you know there's definitely some some updating that needs to be done to these facilities.
2: Yeah, and South Carolina schools they don't they don't get uh money from the state or federal uh governments for construction or maintenance. They instead rely on on the property taxes and bonds that are limited to, um, you know, part of the tax base. But if this tax is approved, it's not just going to be property owners that would be singled out. It's going to be uh, renters, um, you know, visitors, people coming through the area that would be paying the tax as well. So some of the increases and in some of the money going to schools are going to be paid by folks coming into Aiken County, which I think is a positive thing. Um, could actually help property owners a little bit. Might might offset increases in uh, some of their taxes as well. So, Again, you're getting. It's not all on the Aiken County residents funding this. It's coming from some. It's a much more all inclusive Mm -hmm. type tax, and actually, the Aiken Standard uh,
3: alluded to what you just said in an article that they had this past week as well. So,
1: yeah, and I actually like the structure of a sales tax in general because, I mean, it's a voluntary tax from people that actually spend money. You know, and you. You know, and it targets spending. It doesn't target like assets you own, like a property tax or an income tax that that taxes it coming in. You must be a
2: flat tax kind of guy.
1: I am kind of a flat tax kind of guy, definitely. You know, and it spreads it around. I mean, it does Mm -hmm. get, you know, visitors to the area that come in for the masters and people that are, you know, spending money that way. So as long as it's equitable, Compared to other counties, and you're not driving people out of your county, I think it's a good way to tax. And, uh, you know, and as he pointed out here in the article, I mean, we haven't had a a tax, a school tax referendum in over 30 years. So it's not like people, taxpayers have been shelling out a ton of money you know directly for the schools other than for property taxes and the the, the tax measure they had back in 2010 failed mm-hmm. um to to accomplish this as well
3: yeah you know and this is in contrast with uh, some of our neighboring counties over in uh, Columbia County uh where voters they've consistently renewed the 1% uh, special education tax over, you know every 5 years and also in Lexington County as well but if you if you've ever visited any of these counties facilities Man, they are just mm-hmm. state of the art. Oh yeah, they're, nice. yeah, they're amazing. Some, Lake like school. School. County has
2: <clears throat> just some incredible schools. They have a new school. It's called River Bluff. It looks like a uh-huh. like a small college. Yep. I mean, wow, wow it's, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, the the money, the, the, I think the interesting thing as I look at this is the money would, would be limited just to, like, heavy construction. So, um, even, you know, landscaping costs would be excluded. So, you know, there would be um, separate funds um, that are reviewed annually by external auditors to make sure this money doesn't go to administration. So it would be used for the schools, you know, heavy construction, new additions, redoing things, which I think is... You know, that's what it needs. It needs facelifts. It needs some structural uh, upgrading.
1: Right, and they point out here that this tax does have a sunset provision, so after 10 years, voters get an opportunity to vote on this again, you know, if we want to renew this. So it will not continue forever, you know, by by law, by the referendum. Mm -hmm. And if you look at schools, they are a, a pretty good indicator of how the overall health of the community is. So when people come in here You know, they go drive by the schools. They look at the schools for their kids, and if the schools don't have decent curb appeal, as they point out here, you know, people are not going to settle here. So it is a big selling point for Mm -hmm. our community. We need nice schools. We need them to look up to date. They can't be 40, 50 years old and expect that people are going to be excited about moving to Aiken County and living in our community. They're going to go across the river. They're going to go to, well, you know. They
2: collect. are doing that.
1: They are doing I that. I that's exactly. what's happening. So we're losing a lot of good potential tax-paying um, community, you know, members uh, because yeah. of our schools.
2: Yeah, and they and they come out and basically say in this article, um, Aiken County schools are in desperate need of improvement. I mean, that's, that's what their view is, and I, I would agree with that. Construction is not getting any cheaper. I'm not a huge fan of increased taxes because I think there's a lot of waste in government. Yeah. Um, but, you know, bottom line is this is a way that we can get the schools, you know, where we need them um, long term and try to grow Aiken County versus it's shrinking right now.
3: Well, and, and with the, the point that these funds are going to be uh, targeted towards specific uses, you know, if they'll stay true to that and, and really implement that, you know, I am for it. And, and, and here's the thing. We, we homeschool our kids. Yeah, well, we you send know? Our kids to we, we homeschool school, our so. kids, but I'm still for improving the facilities, mm-hmm. you know, of the overall community, if possible, because, you know, there's a morale thing there, too, not, not only just uh, out and about in the community, but within the school. And once you see that morale uh, among the teachers and mm-hmm. students, you'll, you'll see things start to improve kind of across the board. But, you know, if you have any thoughts or ideas about how we could potentially fund this otherwise – you know, other than, say, the 1% sales tax, hey, send us your ideas. We'd like to hear them. You know, I I spoke with a gentleman this morning uh, who was not in favor (laughs) of the sales tax at (laughs) all, you know. But, again, I don't think that he looked into the issue totally, hasn't read up on it, and, you know, he just heard tax, and he said no. So if you do have any of those ideas or thoughts, you know, please send them to us at info at... MoneyMD.net. You know, let yeah. us know. Let us know your thoughts. That's right. It'd be interesting
1: to hear. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, good topic. And um, that leads us up here to our question of the week.
2: Yeah, this question has to do with pensions, uh, lump sums, um, you know, type of annuity payments. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have uh, a benefit plan that allows for a pension, uh, you have typically have a lot of choices. You can do a, a single life annuity, you can do a lump sum in some cases, uh, you can also do a joint and survivor benefit. And, you know, each one has its you know pros and cons, and that's something we help our clients evaluate. Um, sometimes the uh, interest rate that's inherent in the calculation is is really low, and you may right. be better to to take control of that. Sometimes it's pretty high, and it's better to leave it in there. So there's not a, a you know a, a cart blank you know answer on this. You no. have to look at the situation um, and and do some evaluation associated with it. Yeah, I mean, I like to run a present value calculation. Yeah, you know, when a client comes in with that question of Okay, I'm gonna
1: get, you know, twenty five hundred dollars a month or you know, as a pension, or I have this lump sum, you know, I like to look at what their age is, what their life expectancy is according to the tables, do a present value calculation at three, four, five percent, you know, all three of those, and see how that compares to their lump sum. And and in most cases the lump sum is equitable to that, mm-hmm. which means that taking a lump sum and investing it, if you're willing to take a little more risk potentially get a higher return, it can do a lot more for you than the pension can. Because a pension, you know, once you once you, you know, pass away, and, and if, even if you have a 50% survivor or 100% survivor, once you're both gone, you and yeah. your spouse, you know that money's gone. Yeah, it's but, gone forever. But with a lump sum, if it's invested properly, it can be left for your kids. So, you know, there's a lot of there, – there's there's some wisdom to getting a lump sum. Having said that, you have to run the numbers because – I've seen, you know, teachers, for example, um, who have pensions that far exceed the lump sum they could draw. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just yeah. a no-brainer. That case, you've got to take the pension.
2: Yeah, there's certain certain companies out there that we, we look at, and the inherent interest rate in there is really rich, and so taking the pension is a better option. But right. if you need help evaluating that, we'll uh, be more than happy to sit down with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, good question. And that leads us up here to our next topic here, which um, we're just barely going to get into before the break. But, you know, it's talking about the stock market here. I mean, are we in another financial crisis? I mean, we, everybody knows. I mean, we hopefully you know by now we're in the middle of a correction, right? Yeah, We've yeah. kind of come off the bottom here this week. <clears throat> But still, it was it's been a pretty brutal quarter.
2: I brought my day. eight ball, you know, the one that you can oh, yeah, shift that you around can that gives around. you the answer. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. Yeah. So it gives you stock market predictions, right? Good. Okay. Well,
1: we need your crystal ball to be real clear here because mine's yeah. a little cloudy right now.
2: Yeah, and we don't try to make predictions. No one knows what's going to happen in the future. Um, this article's out of CNN Money, and it's it's a pretty good uh, look on where we're what we're going through right now and also comparing it back to 2008 a little bit. And the title of it is, this is not another financial crisis. And, you know, the the market sell-off has been ugly. I mean, um, <clears throat> it's not fun. It's been scary. Uh, you know, there's some asset classes out there, some in international and uh, small-cap stocks, which are in correction territory, and the uh, S&P 500 came very, very close uh, to that. So it's now time to take a deep breath and uh, relax and, and maybe not look at your 401K balance at this point. And, and we're going to put this in perspective when we come back from the break, but this is – not as scary as 2008 when the financial markets and the financial system was collapsing. I mean, this is a much different time and feeling than that, you know, going through that, that process.
1: It is. And we don't, we're not in bubble territory, I don't think, like we yeah. were then either. You know, valuations were a lot higher. We had the whole real estate, you know, bubble that was collapsing and it had started collapsing actually a year earlier. Um, in 2008 so there are there are some distinct differences that we'll cover when we come back from the break here but if you have questions you can email us at info at moneymd.net or you can give us a call at richard young associates at 706-739-0725 you're listening to money md we'll be right back after these messages and gina news stay with us. Welcome back to Money M.D., where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about um, current state of the stock market. John's got his crystal ball out. He's yeah. been rubbing it here and yeah. seeing if he can get a vision for us. And I think he's <laughs> getting ready to share it for us with us. Well, yeah. Let's hear it.
2: It's, yeah, it's, what's it going to be? It's cloudy. It oh, is. It just was clear a minute ago right before we came back on, and all of a sudden it went cloudy. It went so, cloudy.
1: Wow. You um, didn't see any, like, arrows pointing up or down no, or nothing, huh?
2: No, I didn't. But, uh, you know, last month and a half hasn't been real fun. I mean, it has... Markets have been choppy, uh, to say the least. It's, um, you know, in some cases been in correction territory, which means they're down at least 10%. Um, but, um, you know, now's not the time to panic, in our opinion. I mean, you know, 2008 was a much different time than what we're going through. And this is, we're going to kind of compare that a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to be quick to say that the market turmoil of this past September and October is similar to what happened in those two months of 2008. But that's not... Reality. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I remember that time October was down. Gosh, I think it was like, was it like twenty percent? Oh my! It <laughs> was. Roughly. It was brutal. It was a. It was a very very tough month. And and what's going on now is not even close in no. our opinion. And, and this article says kind of the same thing. And it's really funny how short uh people's memories are and we're not talking about ancient history here we're talking about just, six years ago just a couple years ago yeah and i mean not, so, not that far back yeah so i mean the fall of 2008 was a much different feel
1: yeah that's exactly right but you know going back to the crystal ball thing i rubbed my crystal ball this morning john yeah and I didn't see anything about the stock market, but I, I did see something about a football game, and it did not look pretty for Ooh. the uh, Carolina Gamecocks tonight. Oh. I, don't think it, I
2: don't think it takes a crystal ball to see that. But <laughs> well, are you pre- you're not predicting the Clemson Carolina yet, are you?
1: No, 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 we're not going there okay. at all. But back to the stock market, yeah, you're right. The fall of 2008 was a totally different, different environment. I mean... You know, I mean, we had Lehman Brothers that went under. I mean, you know, that's a huge financial firm went bankrupt. I mean, that was unbelievable. And then we had Washington Mutual, another mm-hmm. big insurance company that failed, uh, our mutual fund company, I guess, financial firm. AIG wouldn't have survived had the government not, you know, pulled some rabbits out of the hat there, I think, to save them. Um, The credit market stopped working. I mean, it was serious. We had some serious things going on. We had a 460-point drop in the Dow. Um, and, it, you know... It, we People just, were running for the hills. Yeah. They were definitely a, running for the hills. <laughs> that's I recently.
2: Mean, I mean, but compared to what we went through back in 08, that was kind of minor. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, that's true. I mean, we we had 500-point drops numerous times. Um, So it was... It was a much different game back then, no doubt. In fact, it was down fifty eight percent from the top to the yeah. bottom. You remember two thousand and eight to uh, March of two thousand two thousand and seven to the March of two thousand nine.
2: Right, right, right. And if you look back six years ago, um, in mid October, the Dow on one day. Seven hundred and seventy-three points. That was nearly an eight percent plunge in one day. Ouch! I mean, you know, that is um, that's a lot different than what we're seeing right now. So far, this sell-off is nothing more than a healthy pullback um, from record highs that was sorely needed. This is more like two thousand and eleven than two thousand eight. And and you remember two thousand eleven, right? Stocks got off to a heart, hot start that year, and um, you know, following a pretty strong t- uh, twenty ten. And that's kind of what we see right now. I mean, we see we don't see a lot of bubbles out there in the market. Doesn't mean that markets can't go down more, but uh, it certainly doesn't feel like two thousand and
3: eight. Well, you know, the markets plunged in August of two thousand and eleven after the uh, S and P downgraded the the credit rating of the United States. Starts, the stocks stocks remained volatile uh, for the rest of the year, and the sell off wiped out nearly all the, you know. Um, gains the market gains that we had realized during that year so no, that's that right that's that when we had time. the
1: standoff in the senate about the mm-hmm. uh, budget didn't mm-hmm. we raising yep. the debt ceiling limit
2: oh you mean those guys couldn't come together
1: on, on something <laughs> yeah, they, surprise surprise wow
2: and yeah. in 2008 we also had a global financial crisis um it had you know bank failures There was the tarp bailout in 2011 uh, we had a correction like we talked about and we brushed it off and we we moved forward from that point and you know stocks could go down a little bit more from this point but um You know, we'll see where we end the year. We're not trying to predict anything here, but we're just trying to put this in perspective a little bit. And, you know, the recent market choppiness we're experiencing is really on par with 2011 as well. There's a a gauge of volatility out there on Wall Street. It's called the VIX index. It's V-I-X, and it just looks at volatility, and it topped the 30 level um, recently for the first time since 2011. So it's been three years since it hit that. But to put that in context, the VIX hit a peak of just under ninety back in October of two thousand and eight. So, wow. a third of what that was. I mean, that's a that's still a huge margin there. Yeah, it really is. And the two thousand and eleven correction obviously didn't kill the bull market. Um, at that point, stocks bounced back, bounced back in two thousand twelve, and they had uh, fantastic gains last year. So, you know, this this market and markets in general, if you look back at history, it's not straight up. There are always corrections. There are always bear markets. What the data shows us is stay invested, have a good mix between stocks and bonds, do some rebalancing, and that's a great way to build wealth over time.
1: Yeah, and I think it is interesting how how short of a memory investors have. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, people have been lured into this false sense of security um, because we haven't had a bear market in, what, two and a half years or something leading up to our correction in two and a half years leading up to this past month and you know people just forget how how volatile stocks are i mean that's the stock market the stock market does have corrections and that's basically what what i think we've just seen
2: here yeah yeah so what do you do now so what
1: do we do now <laughs> yeah
2: well well you know, i mean you don't sell i mean you yeah still do i mean we we look at rebalancing this one gentleman in this article basically said he's advising his clients to not to make any major changes in their investment strategy as a result of the uh, market volatility. I know one of the things um, we do with our clients is we we look at the plan that was set up and we kind of put it in perspective. I mean, if you made 20% this year and you're flat, um, if you made 20% last year and you're flat this year, you're probably on track if you set this thing up at the that's, beginning of 2013. still 10%, so, 10% average. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you got to put these things in perspective. To have a, a robust year this year with what what happened last year probably was not, not realistic. Well, and it's really important to
3: note that, um, you know, the market slide of the past month and a half has little to do with any tangible events. You know, uh, will Ebola really become a global epidemic? Uh, you know, what about ISIS here? You know, are they really going to change things? Uh, and investors have lived through numerous conflicts in the Middle East uh, for years and years and years. I
2: mean, that's been going on yeah. for forever. Yeah. You know, and, and so and these think, things are important, but... Yeah, they shouldn't drive the market necessarily. I mean, I think part of the issue right now is the economic situation in Europe. I mean, that is somewhat troubling, um, but this isn't uh, Europe's first trip to the recession rodeo. I mean, they've been down that path before, and if you look back, the corrections of 2010 and 2011 were partly due to the fears about Europe, so... You know, it's only natural that another uh, correction has some of its roots in Germany and France as well. So, trying to put this in perspective, not trying to predict the markets, but we feel like it's a different place in 2008. We don't see a, a, a bubble, you know, out there about to burst like the tech bubble or the housing bubble, the financial crisis. So,
1: yeah, people forget that. You know, we do have a correction one every year on average. If you go back over the last. Like, 91, 92 years. I think it was 120, 121 years, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was going all the way back to, you know, uh, before 1900. And uh, on average, there had been one correction every year on average. And so, yeah, we haven't had one for a couple years, so people get kind of lulled into a false insecurity. But we have ups and downs in the market. This is normal. This is a normal year. We've Mm -hmm. had a correction it, will it get worse? Well, you know, one out of four typically get worse. Yeah. So you just don't know what's going to happen. So I think it puts us in, pers- in perspective, and I think it's a good, a good thing
2: to look back and kind of reflect on sure. what's behind it. All right, good topic. That
1: leads us up here to
2: our prescription of the week. Yeah, this prescription is to um, resist the enticements that retailers. Uh, aim at you, and what I mean by that is, is and the, the marketing is incredible um, that they do towards billions kids. of dollars. Yeah, they spend it um, on fancy ads yeah, all and, of us. Yeah. and um, they do sales and so forth. And so focus, you know, have a list when you go into the grocery store, maybe you go in Christmas shopping. Uh, I, I kid Tammy sometimes. Tammy's very very frugal when she shops, but she'll sometimes say, "You know, I saved." You know. 40%. And I said, well, yeah, but you spent, spent. 60%. So <laughs> do you really need the items that you're buying?
1: But, John, it's so hard. You know, and nowadays you're just sitting on your couch and you see a commercial and all you got to do is do a few keystrokes on yeah. the computer and bam, it's coming to your house. Amazon, baby. I baby. mean, it's on the way. Well,
3: that's like Kohl's, uh, you know, they're the saying that they have it's like getting paid to shop. Mm hmm. You know, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and you see people's ears uh, perk up, and I'm like, you have got to be kidding yeah, me. Yeah, nah, man, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah I, I suggest that, you know, if you think you want something big, delay it for a month and see if it's still in need. That's a right. Really think now. about it. There you go. You know, don't don't impulse shop. Yeah. You go out here and buy something on impulse, you're going to buy a whole bunch of junk that you yeah. don't really need.
2: Yeah, and, uh, you yeah, know, we've talked about it before. That emergency fund is uh, more important than the uh, the new Apple computer or the yeah. Apple iPhone. It's, uh, you got to put things in perspective there's always going to be a new gadget yep
1: all right good good uh, prescription there okay and that leads up to our break here but if you have questions you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at 706-739-0725 you're listening to money md we'll be right back after these messages stay with us Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbot, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who's an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are starting off our last segment here with a new new topic, the five secrets to a great retirement. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're doling out some secrets here again this morning, guys.
3: Opening and, the book uh, as you guys say.
1: Exactly. And um uh, but no, I mean we've been doing this a long time in, you know, retirement planning and we see clients come in all the time, totally different situations, really two d- distinctly different types of retirees. We'll see those that will just squeak by and barely make the numbers work in retirement, who have to worry about, you know, every every little expense during retirement, and we see those who really live it up carefree. Um, you know, as Dave Ramsey puts it, you know, that second group are, are the kind of retirees who lived like no one else so they could live like no one else.
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, that's very it's very true.
1: It's true. I mean, we see dozens of retirees who walk through our doors every year for planning, and, you know, all of them really ask the same question mm-hmm. typically. And yeah. They ask, can I afford to retire? You know, Um and, you know, for that one small group, the answer's easy. The numbers really aren't even close. I mean, they're in great shape for retirement. There's really no question. But then we have that other group, which is the bigger group,
2: which it's usually a close call.
1: You know, the assumptions used for inflation, rates of return, all of those things make a huge difference.
2: Yeah, that's right. The second group is is watching the market every day. Uh, they're nervous. Um, they're looking at the rate of return uh, to make sure everything's kind of tying together, which is important. It's good. But if you have a lot of margin uh, for error, then you don't have to watch the market every day. And if the markets don't do well before the planned date, then they have to delay a few years. So uh, we're going to get into some secrets here on how you can, can set up your situation so you don't have to, to, to be so uh, to stressed out.
1: Exactly. You know, and I mean if you're in that group where you're it's a close call, I mean every little thing makes a difference. If inflation goes up, um, markets wane a little bit, you know, if you're just squeaking by, um, then you're gonna have to take a part time job or something in retirement to make make ends meet. On the other hand, you know, if you're in great shape, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the plan works just as well at a three percent return as it does an eight percent return. You know, of course, the difference between those two groups is not luck. I mean, it's a matter of lifestyle and attitude toward money. And, you know, the, these secrets, supposedly, we're going to talk about here, um, they're not really secrets at all. I mean, they're they're just an attitude toward money, and it's the way you look at money and the way you, you prepare for retirement. So we're going to dig right into these. These can make all the difference. So first one here on the list is um, having no debt in retirement. Absolutely none. I mean, zero debt in mm-hmm. retirement. Um, you know, that's that's obviously a huge factor to a retiree um, being able to have the freedom to enjoy life in retirement, not having debt. You know, a successful retiree has a 15-year mortgage, and they pay extra if necessary, and they have it totally paid off by retirement.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's a that's a key, and they'll also, from a, a car standpoint, they'll have a car fund, and they'll uh, use cash to pay for any cars. Yep. And once they buy the new car, they'll immediately start saving monthly for that next car, so they can always pay cash. That's right. Well, instead of paying, uh, you know, a car dealership or a bank or somebody else some
3: interest, they're actually paying themselves. Yeah, that's you right. You know, and they're yeah. investing that money. In fact, we sat down with a a that's client right. that was one of her goals. Exactly. You know, not too long ago, she was talking about, hey, in several years, I'd like to retire and I would like to set aside money, mm-hmm. you know, a particular fund that was drawing interest toward her not paying someone else. Yep. Yeah, that's a key. That's right. And they pay off their credit cards every month. I mean,
1: everything's paid with cash. Um, you know, having no debt in retirement, that frees up, you know, one to $2,000 a month that you can use to, you know, enjoy retirement with. I mean, because if you had no mortgage payment, that's a huge sum of money. So that is definitely the first key. The second one is um, retirees, prudent retirees, they have a financial plan and they know that they're on track. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they have all the details written down and figured out, but they kind of know where they stand in general. Um, it's not a surprise when they find out they're behind on their savings goal or they need to rethink their retirement date. And a retirement plan, you know, is just simply a road map that kind of shows you how much you need and what it's going to take to get there. So if you have a plan, you can review it yearly, you can see that you're on track, and you can make course corrections while you go.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's kind of like a, a flight plan for a pilot, right? They uh, Can you imagine flying a plane to Hawaii when you uh – you didn't know where to go you didn't have a flight plan uh, no i you can't got, John. a map, <laughs> <having> a map. <laughs> you know it's a simple retirement plan it will tell you what your number is and how much you need then you can kind of look at it periodically and make sure you're on track i mean it doesn't have to be complicated
1: exactly
2: so that's a key there
1: you know having a financial plan next one here on the list is retirees that that live in style in retirement um they increase their savings to 15 percent or more by age 50, and they carried that to retirement. So when you're in that home stretch to retirement, that last 10 years, let's say you're 50 years old, the kids are finally out of the house, college is hopefully paid for or, mm-hmm. you know, on the way, praise God. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, about there, so I understand, you know, but I mean... You know, if that's the case, then it's time to get serious about retirement. You have 10 to 12 years to really to make hay. So you take all that money that was going to the kids toward college, you slam it into your retirement plan, you max it out at 23000 a year if you're over 50, um, maybe fund a Roth IRA. You can put $6,500 a year in a Roth on top of that if possible. It's time to get serious about retirement.
2: Yeah, if you put 22000 a year into that plan and you can make 8%, which means you're Pretty aggressive in the markets. You can amass um, close to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars by age sixty, on top of what are what you already have, and then if you have a match, uh, it could possibly be up a half half a million dollars. So you can do a lot of catch up in that last ten years.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. So you do that by putting fifteen percent or more in to retirement. And then next one here on the list is retirees that live it up like no one else. Um, they can so they can live like no one else in retirement. Uh They have an emergency fund mm-hmm. and um you know at this stage of life, you should have six months of expenses set aside and something liquid and safe for emergencies. So if the car breaks or a large medical bill comes up, you know you have the money readily available in retirement to take care of that and if you don't, then there is no place to go when those big bills come up except for credit cards and I can tell you having credit cards in retirement is a lot more risky than it is before retirement. Because mm-hmm. you have no way to pay those off, right? I mean, if if you know, if you get credit card debt, you can't go out and get another job, most likely. It's harder to get income. You don't have income coming in, so you don't have as much flexibility. It's probably
3: gonna be with you for a while. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: So that's a critical one leading into retirement. Um, you know, you have to have an emergency fund. And then the last one here on the list is if you're going to have a stupendous retirement, you got to know where your money goes. And that's right. That means having a plan, oh, having a no. budget. Oh, a
2: budget. Are you the word. word. Come on, guys. All right, <laughs> right.
3: Let's call so, a cash flow plan. Cash flow plan. That's
1: cash right. flow, but we'll make it sound better here, you know. We'll, we'll jazz it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how many people we sit down with for retirement planning who are stumped by that simple question that we always ask, and that is, do you know how much you spend each month? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I mean, it's almost funny. I mean, you think we just asked them to recite the theory of relativity or, you know, that we were speaking Chinese or something. <laughs> you know, it's that deer in the headlights look, right? I mean, you get that blank stare back. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting because 90% of the people do not know the answer to that question. But you have to if you want to be a winner in retirement and live like no one else, yeah. as Dave Ramsey says. Um, So if you don't know what it takes to live on, you you can't determine where you need to be at retirement. Um, And it's like being 100 miles out in the ocean on a boat with no GPS or radio. I mean, you're hosed.
2: Yeah, it's impossible to know where you're going and how to get there if you don't um, track this. I mean, and it's it's liberating for people that do this uh, because you can then spend and not feel guilty about spending because you have your priorities in place. I mean, it's... um, it's it's difficult to uh, to start the process, but once you're doing it over time, it's it actually is pretty easy. That's right. I mean, the fact is those who save a lot
1: and spend a lot less are always the same ones. They have a pretty good idea of where it all goes, mm-hmm. and so they have a budget. And it may not be a written budget. You know, they may not be able to rat- but they can typically – it may not be written down in detail, but they can typically kind of tell you where all the categories are and where their money goes, and you can arrive at it pretty quickly when you sit down with them. So that is a critical one. Okay, so the takeaways here are, you know, if you want to have a great retirement where you can travel, not worry about, you know, what the stock market's doing, these are five essential things. Um, the clients we've seen who live it up in retirement, they've done all these at some level. They're, they're having, you know, no debt in retirement, including your house. It's all paid off. Um, then they have a, reti- a financial plan or they know where their money goes with some kind of budget. They also have an emergency fund, and then they're slamming 15% or more of their income into retirement those last 10 years or so in retirement. Um, so it's really not that complicated. I mean, you you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good topic here, a good show. Um, well, that leads up to our close for this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve and uh, Gordon turning in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions, and don't forget you can check out our podcast on MoneyMD.net as well. Link to it there and listen to all our old shows, um, including this week. So uh, give us a call if you have questions. Richard Young Associates at seven zero six seven three nine zero seven two five. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one.